Welcome to the Super Well Podcast, your source for truly holistic and original perspectives on health and happiness. Each week, we take true dives into the key areas of life with true leaders and true conversations. It's your time for a Super Well Life. Hello, Super Well team. Welcome back. Now, we have been busy between our last podcast and now constructing a new list of podcasts for us to produce and bring to you with some amazing content. We've got some great guests coming up some great deep dives and also some cool topical information just like today's podcast which is on cryotherapy. For those of you that don't know what cryotherapy is, it means basically cold therapy and it's a practice that's been happening for thousands of years but has become very popular again in recent times. Today we discuss all things cryotherapy, Uh, We talk about the physiological mechanisms behind its benefits. We talk about how you can do it and practice it in your own time. We also have a bit of a giggle around a bit of a team building exercise we did on the weekend out at Warrandyte State Park. And we discuss Wim Hof, the Iceman, who sort of thrust cryotherapy back into the limelight again. So it's a pretty cool podcast, lots of cool information. We hope you enjoy and as always if you have any questions or anything off the back of it you can reach out to us via the website so without further ado enjoy here we are fee thought out after yesterday's dip <laughs> that's one word for it dip dip yeah six so, minute dip oh, well mine wasn't six i i didn't last that long unfortunately <laughs> you're you're more trained in this than i am so um for those listening yesterday we had a bit of a team exercise for the practice where we went out to warrandite had a lovely little brunch together before heading out to warrandite river and having a bit of a dip in the middle of winter (laughs) bit of a dip and um gabe he was he was mental he was was swimming up and down diving under like a dolphin um and the whole point of it is that we were sort of trying ourselves against some bit of cold exposure therapy uh, to see what would happen um, as a result how we would feel Um, and uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in society around that at the moment Um, you know it's a bit of a buzz thing cryotherapy chambers and uh, people like Wim Hof who we'll talk about soon Um, so we thought we'd do a podcast on what does cold therapy do Um, you know what what can we do Uh, how can we expose ourselves to it in different ways and um, what actually changes in the body when we expose ourselves to cold like that as well so that's what we're going to chat about today and it's pretty interesting there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out about this Um, and it's not a surprising thing because it's a practice that's actually been done for quite a long time even if you think just locally and you think about footy uh, people have been having ice baths and cold showers and stuff after um, sport sports like footy for decades and yeah actually interestingly in the edwin smith papyrus which is 3500 bc it's like the first ever known medical text one of the major things they recommend in there is cold therapy there you go yeah so it's it's not even new no it's been around for eons <laughs> it's funny isn't it just been re rebranded it has been rebranded and mainly thanks to someone like wim hof who's yeah. really um 
not only brought it back into the forefront of our minds, but shown the amazing research um, and science behind why things like cold therapy, and he obviously has a breath that goes with it as well, but why cold therapy works and why, you know, it probably should be part of things we're doing, especially with people with chronic health conditions. And yeah. So let's, I mean, we're using the phrase cold therapy. Let's talk a little bit about what we did yesterday so people actually understand um what we mean by this as well um so you go yeah so well okay so i was exposed to i'll give you a bit of a background how we got into it so i was exposed to wim hof back in 2015 because we trekked into everest base camp and we were looking at ways um to be able to improve the way of getting in there and of course it's cold and you're trekking long days and i am an unusual person because i oxygenate at altitude abnormally well i've got an amazing adaptation to altitude my husband on the other hand not so much mm-hmm. you put an oximeter on him and he might be sitting at 80 and i'll still be at like 98 percent. and people find that really annoying so like well, what can we do to help him and we came across this wim hof method and part of that is obviously exposure to cold and cold for them they use ice baths but also cold showers. And so what do you reckon the Borondite River was yesterday? Four, six degrees? Oh, it'd have to, yeah, it'd have to be yeah, maybe under 10. Yeah, yeah it was easily yeah. under 10. And your cold water comes out of your shower in summer at around 14. Yeah. So you it doesn't work like in summer out of your cold shower. But in winter, the water coming out of the cold shower, I know in ours we measured it, comes out about eight degrees. All right. Yeah. So before we push forward, some people may have never heard of Wim Hof. Yeah. So we should probably explain who Wim Hof is. He, yeah. Um, well, he was a daredevil, I guess that's, or I guess that's how people knew him. He actually used to perform in the circus. Um, so Wim Hof's wife committed suicide a long time ago, and he was a yogi and really into that sort of stuff. And he was looking at ways to recover or get over his wife's suicide, and he felt really drawn to the cold. Um, he's Dutch, so he would go and swim in the Dutch River and he felt that when he got into the cold exposure, he f- he just felt really present and connected and quiet and he felt like he could go internally and resolve some of the inner turmoil that he was going through. He also realised at that time that your breathing changes when you're exposed to cold. Um, and then from there he went on to set the world record for the longest person immersed in ice longest swim under ice he's run through the desert uh with no water and bare feet and he's been found up on mount everest with nothing but a pair of shorts and some boots yeah so he didn't he also run a a marathon the arctic circle yeah no barefoot just in board shorts i think that was in the heat with no water i thought he ran one as well oh maybe you could be maybe yeah maybe i've missed that one and you could so you continue talking about yeah so if you you look up wim hof there's a lot of stuff there's actually a great documentary on vice um called the Iceman, and it it goes right through um what he's been doing but so wim hof started to do these things and then people started to pay attention and they started especially with his world records and that started scientists measuring him thinking that he was an anomaly that his ability to be uh, to adapt to the cold was um, specific to him and him alone. And Wim is really big about that that's not the fact, that anybody can do this, that it's something, um, it's ancient technology that's available to anybody at any time. And one of the amazing experiments they did with Wim was they injected him with a neurotoxin that would make people really quite sick. And He proved that through uh, his breath and cold exposure that he could release cortisol from his adrenals 
using his mind, which would negate and norepinephrine and would negate the effects of the infection on him. And so, um, and I'm going to, we'll go into this a bit more because I want Marcus to explain the autonomic nervous system because the autonomic nervous system, we think we've got no conscious control of, but we've, Wim's technology, we've actually, he's proven that we do, but I'm going to let Marcus cover that in a minute. Um, and so they said, no, this is just you. Any, not anyone can do this. And he said, anyone can do it. And they said, well, how long do you need to train someone? Like six months? He, he said, give me four days. So he took a bunch of strangers, just like us, so yesterday in the, in the Warrandot River, and he trained them in the breath technique and cold exposure over four days. And then they repeated the experiment. They injected him with um, a, the, all these four people with neurotoxins, and they all produced the same result. They all negated it, so the neurotoxin had zero effect on them. Um, and from there, really, the science, that really got scientists interested in it. And then from there, we've really seen the, um, the explosion of cold therapy. He, Joe Rogan interviewed um, Wim Hof a couple of years ago. Mm. And really, from there, we started to see cryo chambers pop up everywhere. Then footballers started to make it more um, exposed that way. And so I think, yeah, we've just, we've seen it's exploded the explosion. Off, like a whim. Yeah. Yeah. off On a whim. On a whim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this, that Joe Rogan podcast is great. Yeah. Yes. He's so passionate with him too when he talks about it. And yeah, it's fascinating. Um, and it's actually fascinating the outward in effect on the autonomic nervous system too, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, something else that he, he says in his podcast, which I'd, which, which I'd never really thought about um, as a form of therapy, but makes total physiological sense. Um, we'll talk about that as too with blood pressure in a second. But um, we'll get into... By the way, he did run in the Arctic. There he ran a marathon in the Arctic in just shorts. There you uh, go. Yeah, crazy, crazy man. Um, but also, like, legend. That's he's amazing. a legend, and yeah. he's so passionate. He's really big about it being free. In fact, my parents, so we went, you know, to Everest, but we took my dad with me. My dad was really sick with Lyme disease at the time, and we gave him the Wim Hof Method because I was worried he'd never get up the mountain because his hemoglobin was in the toilet. And Dad did Wim Hof method, and is still a Wim Hof addict to this day. He's met him three or four times, and they were just in Spain with Wim doing the training. My mum and my dad, you know, 15 minutes night baths, ice baths, and climbing mountains. And Dad does an hour of Wim Hof every morning, and they swim up in the Avondale um, Lake or Cardinia Lake up in the hills there three times a week. Go on them. Oh no. I know. So let's talk about this nervous system stuff. Um, so that I guess. The, the thing that we should define is autonomic nervous yes, system. Yep. Um, so we essentially have uh, core components to our nervous system, some of them uh, which we have control over. So if you're deciding to move your arm or pick something up or um, go for a run, those actions are what we would call consciously sort of controlled, as in you, you're making a decision to do something and you're doing it. And then there are a whole bunch of processes that happen in your body that are happening every day without you even thinking about it. You don't even have to consider it. It just happens. So the beating of your heart, um, the squeezing of your glands, the digesting of food, your immune function, all of this stuff is governed by a different type of your nervous system called your autonomic nervous system, which is uh, autonomic means auto. Obviously, it's happening um, automatically in the background. So what Wim has been able to do is demonstrate that he has actually got conscious control over this. And for a long time, people didn't think that you could influence this, but more and more through the studies that are coming out through meditation and people like Wim Hof, we're realizing that we can actually have a significant impact on the way that our body um, is working in that autonomic nervous system. And I, 
I think this is something that perhaps even elite sports people that may have been able to demonstrate control over this, you know, controlling their nerves. We hear this sort of these phrases a lot without mm. really paying a lot of attention to them, you so know. True. How do they control their nerves? You yeah. Know? Because they were able to get themselves in the zone, mm-hmm. right? What does and what that does that even mean? mean right? <laughs> they're in a psychological zone, mm-hmm. which then they're controlling their nerves, mm-hmm. which is controlling their autonomic nervous system and allowing them to perform. So we, we know this empirically has been happening for a long time. Yeah. It's just now that we're actually starting to test it and prove it. Yeah. Um, and people like Wim have been brilliant in helping bring this conversation to the public and also to the research community. Um, so uh, I guess that's a really short summary of how the autonomic nervous system works. And one of the things um, that it does do is control your blood vessel uh, function as well. Like vasoconstriction. Vasoconstriction. So, yeah, when you're really cold, uh, if you go outside right now in Melbourne, it's pretty fresh. If you went out there in the NUD, uh, <laughs> your blood vessels in your arms and legs would constrict up and it would pull all the blood into your torso because it's trying to protect all your organs, um, the, your vital organs, so that you can stay alive for as long as possible. And then when, if you went out in the middle of a 45-degree day in summer, what it will do is push, it will open up all the blood vessels inside your arms and legs to push all of your blood to your extremities to try and cool down your core to make sure that those organs are working at their best as well. So we have this constriction in, and relaxation of our blood vessels that occurs that our autonomic nervous system does. Now, there's two sides to your autonomic nervous system as well one is called your sympathetic Mm -hmm. and the other is your parasympathetic so the best way to understand this is your sympathetic tends to be your doing one and your parasympathetic is the relaxation one so constriction of your blood vessels is doing relaxing and opening up your your blood vessels is um, is you know your parasympathetic that's doing that so Often sympathetics is related to stress as well. So fight or flight. Yeah, fight or flight response, stress response. This stuff drives our sympathetic response as well. So people can get into sympathetic dominance. And then what I what Wim's been doing through his breath work and cold exposure has been able to teach people how to control their parasympathetic nervous system to try and, and, and the balance between that function and your sympathetics through the use of breath. So we know that breath is really important in mitigating stress and mm-hmm. also helps reduce those sympathetics and increase your parasympathetics. Um, but what what cold exposure does also, which um, is something that he talked about in this podcast, which I'm not sure whether you've um, read much into this, Phoebe, but um, he talked about it creating blood vessel fitness. Yes. Yeah. So you go into the cold and it causes this constriction. Yeah. Which um, then when you get out and you warm up causes some relaxation. So hardening of your blood vessels is actually a really significant problem in our society. Yeah, yeah. Um, heart disease and a lot of heart disease and why blood pressure problems, uh, you know, um, why blood pressure presents a problem is that it causes stiffness within our blood vessels. So exposing yourself to changes in temperature actually allows for our body to contract and relax, contract and relax. Exactly. It's like fit, exactly. It's yeah. working it out, just Use like it lifting weight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which I found fascinating. So it does sort of even just purely from an exposure point of view affect our autonomic nervous mm-hmm. system without even um, contemplating the, the mind down yes. perspective on it as well. Um, but you know what's super interesting about that and you know why I think things like cold and even heat exposure and things like intermittent fasting and all these things have come to the forefront today is I listened to a great podcast I think it's Daniel Atlas and it's called um, 
what is it called? It's like the modern human or something. But they were talking about they should rename the human. At the moment, we're... Um, what's our technique what's the technical homo, homo sapien. sapien right they were saying we should be called homo sapien fragilis yeah and that's because the modern human doesn't expose themselves to anything anymore you think about what we do right we we air condition in summer we heat in winter our cars are at a certain temperature we've got our car seats heated on seats. heated seats we never get a massive change in our body's temperature so the blood vessels aren't getting this vasoconstriction vasodilation that they used to to get that cardio fitness like you say use it or lose it hence they're getting more stiff it's just like people that sit in a wheelchair all the time they don't use those muscles they could become super stiff now if you ask them to stand up again half of it isn't because they've got loss of function half of it is the muscles not being used exactly the same thing is happening in our cardiovascular system because we no longer put ourselves in these extreme environments we live in this very narrow range and as a result our body doesn't get this massive adaptation that maybe the prehistoric human used to get so we are more fragile because we can't adapt you know, if we had a sudden ice age snap tomorrow, most of us are going to perish because we haven't got that cardiovascular fitness to be able to live out through, you know, yeah. cold exposure. And that is really one of the really cool things that exposure to cold and heat, it does. And what's really cool in Wim Hof's online program, they've got this bit that popped up and I can't, haven't been able to find it again. It's new research. I think they're developing something in the back and I accidentally got access to it. But they've proven in research that... Wim can, they can say to Wim, heat your hand up and he can just concentrate on his hand and all the blood flow goes into his hand. So he's got conscious control over the vasodilation aspect, autonomic nervous system, and they proved in studies that his hand heated up to 10 times the heat of the other hand. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's he can amazing. send it anywhere in his body. That's pretty he, They incredible. can go heat up the big toe and he can just vasodilate. So the stuff that we were told that we do not have control over, we there is all this stuff coming out now that maybe we have far more conscious control over it than we do. And then think about all these stresses of, of the effects of stress and all these things that maybe take us away from our ability to do that. And I, and I start to think, wow, you know, imagine getting... That's why I think these therapies are so amazing because I think it gives us the power back through the power of the mind, because being in cold, you know, everyone will tell you from the clinic yesterday, they really had to get their minds in there. You know, the girls were really like quite worried about getting in the water, but once you get in, how happy was everybody? Oh, yeah. Even Nadra. Yes, even Nadra. Even Nadra's throwing a few few choice words around. Yeah, she did, but she, you know, and everyone was like, I feel so refreshed and alive yeah. and I feel great. No one died. Everyone's limbs stayed intact. Like, yeah. fancy that. Like, and I just, I wonder whether doing more things like that not only improves our stress adaptation because the body's you know that's a stress cold is a stress right mm -hmm. and so by exposing our thing ourselves to things like cold therapy and heat i think it helps us to better cope with stress and that whole modern human we we can't we don't seem to cope with stress like we used to and i just mm -hmm. i think all of this somehow fits together and oh definitely and also even just a psychological challenge totally. so you know we if we if we feel like we're frail and fragile all the time it places us in a constant state of fear totally, you know yeah. anything can cause us harm yes whereas if we start to understand that our body does have that that potential to adapt and we really and, and we prove it to ourselves mm -hmm. through exposing ourselves to environments where we have to adapt. Mm -hmm. It really increases our potential and our capacity. And from a mindset perspective, I think that's really powerful too because yeah. it's not just the mitigating of modern stress, mm -hmm. you know, the modern stressful lifestyle. It actually helps us 
change our perception of where we fit in the world and our oh, yeah, capacities and that. capabilities in the world and mm-hmm. that we have more power than what we actually feel like we, we really do. And that's such a win thing, you know, he's yeah. so big on that. Yeah, and then the other thing you said was about adaptability and we talk sometimes in the room here um, at work about um, health and adaptive potential. So I, I use little diagrams to talk to people about their body's capacity to adapt based upon how much stress they have in their life. And that, um, and part of our therapy and care is to try and help people expand that adaptive potential. You know, how can you increase your body's ability to adapt so that when you get presented to stresses that they don't have the same impact on you as they otherwise would have? And um, doing things like this um, it obviously increases our body's physiological potential because we're training it, use it or lose it sort of principle, mm-hmm. but also our mind. We're, yes. we're, we're proving to ourselves that we have greater control over ourselves than what we thought and that by doing that, we can expose ourselves to more. Yeah, I, t- I totally love that. You know, Joe Dispenza would say rather than the body being the mind and the body saying it's too cold, I can't get in there, you know, it's you have control over that. And, you know, the fact that we potentially have or we, we know we have this control over the autonomic nervous system mm-hmm. suddenly... You know, imagine being able to send. Well, we can. We imagine being able to, try, you know, have that ability, like when to send blood into the hand and warm that up and do this, and what that just means for people with, say, Raynaud's syndrome, yeah. or what it means for people with maybe pain in a leg, if you could somehow control the pain receptors. And you know, I just, I think there's so much therapeutic application in this that yeah. if we really got into this and learnt how much control we actually have over our bodies rather than being victim to our body circumstances, taking some of that control back of just the therapeutic applications of yep. what that can mean for people I think is so cool. So we should talk about why. So we've talked a little bit about cold therapy. So yep. what is cold therapy? You've got things like ice baths or cryo chambers, yep. jumping in the water. Yeah, um, cold showers. Cold showers. As simple as. Yeah. And even, you know, like when I was in naturopathic college, one of the things we got taught to help people lose weight was just wear less clothes. You know, in winter, makes make yourself uncomfortably cold yeah and that you know that that's cold therapy wearing, right there I'm wearing shorts today you are I'm, <laughs> I'm looking today. at you yeah. thinking I would be uncomfortably cold <laughs> it's funny because my daughter who's two she you know in winter we're all I, I'm, this conversation is, is changing literally in the moment my parenting style and that you know you have to be careful what you embed in people's minds yeah. and so much of of the societal concern around being warm yes. and having enough clothing on and stuff. Being she's, comfortable. She's constantly trying to rip her clothes off and be naked. And yeah. She'll walk around and she's comfortable. She doesn't care. Yeah. You know, clearly she doesn't have any preconceived notions of what she should or shouldn't be or shouldn't shouldn't feel. So why am I trying to project something onto her? Yeah. You know, and maybe all I'm going to do is dampen down her adaptability by, yeah, by, embedding, a, yeah. by embedding those thoughts into her little mind. What an amazing um, insight to have. I'm going to be thinking about that all afternoon. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so well, the, obviously the, there's different methods which people can expose themselves mm-hmm. to cold, but why, why would we do it? What happens in the body? What all happens right. in the body when we actually get out there and we're exposing ourselves to the cold and we start to feel those changes occurring? There are so many things. So let's we'll go through them one by one. The major one that people probably know about cold exposure is weight loss and um, metabolism regulation. So we've got this thing in our body called brown fat. We've got white fat and brown fat. White fat is um, where we store fat. And then brown fat is actually the one that sort of mobilizes and activates our body's ability to stay warm. So when we're cold, we burn brown fat. It takes calories 
and it stimulates brown fat to um, be burnt into keeping us warm. So if we have um, exposure to cold, what it does is it stimulates this brown fat to burn off. Now, now what they've proven in most people that are obese don't have a lot of brown fat, but they've got a lot of white fat, which is the really abdominal sort of fat and all of those sort of things. But the more exposure you get to cold, the more you switch out your white fat for brown fat. And then you're more ably, more able to burn that fat when you do get cold. So brown fat's an easier one to burn off and lose. Um, also, the more brown fat you have, the higher your metabolism because it's it's mobilising. You've got you're better at um, that metabolism adaptability, I guess, of being able to um, be exposed to heat and cold. And so you need that brown fat to have that adaptability into heat and cold. And it's much easier to lose weight when you've got more brown fat. So you find most athletes. Um, have a higher percentage of brown fat um, there's definitely links between increases in brown fat um, compared to longevity so the higher the brown fat the longer uh, people tend to live um, and also um, yeah health so the more brown fat you have the healthier people generally being they have more muscle um, mass versus fat mass and all those sort of things so cold exposure um, increases something called uncoupling proteins in the mitochondrial membrane. Mitochondria are like the powerhouses of our cells. And then that cold exposure stimulates that mitochondria um, through that uncoupling protein to um, burn brown fat. And like I said, lack of brown fat linked to obesity. Using oxygen too, obviously. Yes. Like mitochondria... They're... Ox- they're a, um, they, they, that's why we breathe. Yes. To feed our mitochondria. Exactly. Get the oxygen in there, help ourselves create energy... Yes. There's more. That's more. There's more than why we breathe than just that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It also increases um, adiponectin, and adiponectin is a protein that increases fat burning, basically. Um, and low levels of adiponectin are definitely related to obesity. Um, that's lots of studies have done that. And then um, one study showed that subjects that were exposed to cold stress had an 80% increase in their metabolism over people that didn't have cold yeah. exposure. And you've got to think, you think of the Inuits and people living in cold environments, you want to have a better thermogenesis metabolism because yeah. you want to be able to stay warm. Yeah. So it makes that's a common sense sort of thing, right? If you're exposed to cold all the time, the body has to adapt because it's going to have to keep you warm. And yeah, it's, it doesn't, if it doesn't turn its thermostat up... You're going you're gonna to die, right? Yeah. And so, of course, that's the whole purpose of brown fat is to keep you warm. And then, you know, when you are cold, you're burning off more fat. It's just so common sense. It's it so common sense it's just, when you just think about it. Yeah. So that's, that's what most people would know... Um, you know, cold therapy for, but what also cold therapy is amazing for is it reduces inflammation. Um, it releases or it reduces the inflammatory response, um, specifically through certain cytokines. Um, so cytokines are the chemicals um, that are released in inflammation. So um, one of the most potent um, cytokines produces tumor necrosis factor alpha and so what they've shown and i think it's been implicated in almost every um, chronic human disease from things like ms um, diabetes type 2 um, inflammatory bowel disease cancer so what they found was that exposure to cold actually decreases um, the amount of tumor necrosis factor that's released um, other nasty chemicals like um, it's called mipi alpha which is macrophage inflammatory protein alpha i think which is produced by immune cells and um is shown to play a major role in things like rheumatoid arthritis um and then i think it decreases interleukin 6 
or maybe increases interleukin 6 and interleukin 8, which are neither increases or decreases. I have to go dig my research up, but they are either pro or anti-inflammatory cytokines, so it helps balance that um, inflammatory process. So inflammation, of course, being the uh, driver of pretty much every chronic disease that we yeah. have in the modern human. It's there everything from depression and anxiety to cancer to all your modern autoimmune diseases, yeah. MS, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, they're all inflammatory. Allergies, Allergies yeah. They're all inflammatory produced diseases. So exposure to the cold reduces that inflammatory process. Um, yeah, and means for some people maybe you don't have to take some of the nasty anti-inflammatory, mm. especially rheumatoid arthritis and methotrexate. If you could switch that out for a cold shower, wow, that would be I know. pretty easy. Pretty cool. Um, another cool thing about cold exposure, and feel free to jump in here if you've got anything, is yep. it increases lifespan. Right. So by seventy-five percent. Now, this all the studies here were done in animal studies, so worms, mice. Um, and what they found was that just by dropping their um, core temperature mm -hmm. by five degrees, increased the lifespan by 75%. Wow. Massive. And wow. fish. That's huge. That's huge. Fish. So they did in fish. Um, yeah, fish, worms, and mice. And all of them, five degree decrease in core body temperature. All of them had an increase by about 75%, which I think is crazy. Um, what about immune cells? We haven't touched on that yet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So increasing the number of... Like, there was a study that they found exposure to the cold increased the body's white cell numbers, including yep. cytotoxic T lymphocytes. Yes. Which, you know, they play a, a pivotal role in um, killing cancer cells. Yeah. Um, so what they sort of suggested was it increases our stock levels of yeah. immune cells in our body, which is also a fascinating thing. Yeah, and so participants had increased levels, and so it is interleukin-6 goes up in cold exposure, not down. So, yeah, the study showed increase in interleukin-6, CD3, CD4, CD8. It activated TMB lymphocytes, so the whole immune system upregulated itself. That's, yeah, amazing. Um, so you think about some of these things, even someone uh, like a professional athlete, when we, we, we spoke about mitochondria there before, We've spoken a lot about just reducing stress and inflammation, and mm -hmm. you know, better for um, preventing things like cancer, like we just spoke about now. Yeah. But even just performance, general performance. So I know we're backtracking a bit to the mitochondria, but if if you're increasing someone's aerobic capacity, the efficiency of them to use oxygen for energy, mm -hmm. it's um, it's going to have an effect on their ability to perform at an elite level in sports. So, Absolutely. Yeah. As, which is why all the athletes are using it, right? Yeah. As part of their recovery process. Um, and they can up to This one here said another study, uh, studies revealed that runners who did a cryotherapy session one hour, 24 hours or 48 hours post hill sprinting running had a 20% increase in speed and power. That's 20% performance enhancement. Which one, is one cryo session. Which is crazy because you just think of Olympic athletes and a twenty percent increase in what that would do to people's times and abilities to qualify for things. I read an interesting article. So it was three cryo sessions. Three cryo sessions, yeah. and I read an interesting article, and you might have that in there that it was because it decreased um, creatine kinase, is it uh, CK levels, which breaks mm. down muscle, and so cold exposure reduced uh, the proteins that break down muscle and cause muscle injury. 
And so after we exercise, we know that we release a lot of those things. So after you do any sort of exercise, generally what happens is you get a bit of muscle breakdown and it's in the recovery that the muscles reboot themselves, hence why recovery is such an important part. Mm. So cryotherapy works part of what we call an active recovery because it reduces the chemicals, it breaks the muscles down so the muscles heal a lot faster. Therefore, you get more gains out of the muscles and, and mm. the muscle fibers and things like that. And that was that's that. a really important thing just to note. I know this is not quite on the topic, but it is a little bit. It's just a little bane of my existence when I used to be a personal trainer. Training and effort, this is for everyone listening, training and effort doesn't make you fit. No. Training and effort breaks your body down and challenges your body. Recovery is when it repairs itself better for the next time. So recovery is actually the time that makes you fit. Your fitness gains always occur in recovery. Just remember that. So that these sort of things, how you eat, how much inflammation you have in your body, um, how much sleep you're getting, those things are, are critical in terms of recovery. Anyway, No, to- that's such a good tip. And of course, why things like active recovery using things like infrared sauna that does the opposite releases heat shock proteins. Cold yeah. therapy releases cold shock proteins and they all are really um, instrumental in the recovery process. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. That's a really good point to add. Um, they also showed that it strengthens the nervous system um, and that was generally due a bit like the workout that you talked about and I think this is what they're talking about here because they say it works out the nervous system which adapts and strengthens that's going to be through the vasodilation and constriction of um, the autonomic system. and maybe also the activation of the I muscle think so. so like you know your ability to activate motor units might I'm not sure I haven't read that study there but if they're talking about nervous system maybe that's where they're angling in it is you know it's increasing your body's alertness and readiness yeah. to, to move and um, well you release norepinephrine so I guess it's that whole adaptability right yeah. so your body has to clear the norepinephrine out it's a bit like you know in the old days we'd have the saber-toothed tiger we would do our fight or flight and then that chemical would burn off with cold therapy it's different from stress from work or, or a marriage or something like that you get yeah. the cold exposure and then you recover the stress doesn't stay around right yeah. so it enhances the adaptability of the nervous system like a saber-toothed tiger it's would priming us. it's priming us exactly because it, it's not a chronic stress that stays with mm. you so you get this more adaptability that that would totally yeah. make sense of how they haven't really divulged in the research but if i was going to put two and two together that's why i would say that would definitely have improved that um, interestingly, they reckon it will heal um, uh, major injuries and speed of recovery, which was spoken about. But of course, to add to your point about recovery, it does that due to the reduction of blood flow, swelling, inflammation, and spasms. Um, and yeah, it regulates blood sugar levels. So cold temperatures release, we've spoken about this um, chemical, it's the uh, adiponectin. So adiponectin is definitely released in um, cold exposure. It increases, well, one study showed about 70% increase in adiponectin. And that is not only does it um, help with metabolism, but it's also hugely important in glucose blood regulation. And it's found to lower insulin resistance. So, sorry, it's found uh, with people with insulin resistance, they have low levels of adiponectin. So increasing adiponectin regulates insulin, mm. which is super important because we know most of the obesity these days is caused by insulin, insulin resistance. resistance. Yeah. And again, you know, that whole insulin resistance thing, you know, if we look at that whole um, excess of 
amount of cortisol that we uh, release in chronic stress and what happens is cortisol down regulates all your other um, receptor sites so when you release um, glucose and insulin or if you eat something that's really high carbohydrate and you're meant to release insulin because you've down regulated your um, cortisol receptors cortisol receptors sit on every cell and so when you downregulate your cortisol receptors because cortisol is quite toxic to the body so if you're chronically stressed it basically pulls back the receptor so you're not picking it up all the time but it pulls back every other receptor with it including all your hormones thyroid receptors insulin like blood glucose receptors via insulin and all those sort of things so high cortisol you downregulate everything but by doing cold exposure, it's like it re-stimulates, a bit like we were talking about it, that adaptation, it re-stimulates your receptor sites. And so you're more likely to pick up your um, insulin and regulate your thyroid. And I think yeah. it would have quite a huge effect on the whole endocrine system having this cold exposure because yeah. of an upregulation of receptor site activity. I'm putting that a bit together from what I can string with the yeah, research, but pretty, it makes, yeah, it makes it total make sense. sense to me of how that would work via cortisol. Um, we know that it improves sleep quality. So one of the mechanisms to fall asleep is you have a drop in core body temperature by two degrees, and that's an actually a mechanism that puts you to sleep. So your body will, um, that's part of probably the autonomic nervous system, you might know more about this than me, but you get a drop in two degrees, and that's the mechanism to put you to sleep. So often, if I've got patients that are waking up in the middle of the night, I tell them to go and lie on the cold tile floors in the bathroom to get a temperature drop. Um, and so we know that if you have a temperature drop, you're going to have a more restorative sleep. A Dutch study showed that by cooling the core body temperature, participants had double the restorative sleep in slow wave sleep um, wave brain patterns. So definitely being cooler at night and um, having that adaptability to cold improved sleep. And of course, we know that has a huge flow and effect to everything else. Um, and then the other big one that I really want to mention is reduction in pain. That's a huge thing. Um, now, was it you telling me, who was telling me about they had people with burns? No. Okay, this is really cool. So what they did was people with burns and then when they have to take off the burn... Um, dressing. Dressing. So painful because all the skin comes off from under it. So what they were doing is they'd put people in ice suits, they'd put the 3D um, virtual reality goggles on them and they would play a penguin cold game. And then while they were doing that, they would take off the burn dressing and no one would know that it was coming off because they were feeling so cold. All right. And like, and it's a huge thing. They're doing it in hospitals now. Wow. Yeah. Just because the body was releasing all the, being in the cold chemicals, they could... Mind over matter too. Yeah, totally. Just not consciously understanding that it is mind over matter, but it is. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. And just because your body's releasing all of those cold um, proteins. So let's, let's chat about, um, so people are probably pumped to get out and do this. Yes. You know? How can I get all these amazing health benefits that we've just spoken about? Yep. How can we increase our adaptability? So let's get really practical. Okay. What, what can you do? Um, so I'll, I'll kick this off. Um, there's some geographic components of this. Yes. I live down near the bay. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm going to start upping my trips to the bay even though I don't have to do Sunday recovery after footy anymore in the Bay, I'll probably guts it out and go and do some cold therapy out there. Um, if you live closer to sort of the inner leafy side of town, like out of leafy side of town, like out here in Eltham or other parts where there's dams and lakes and rivers, mm-hmm. you can jump in there. Go for uh, a swim. If you're near the snow, you can get out in the snow. Yeah. You can probably just sit down in the snow in your yes. shorts. Yeah. Um, you know, just get as much as many layers off as possible yeah 
Um, so there's some practical, really simple places you can go for how long um, is an interesting one. So there's research shows that three minutes minimum yeah. um, and that there's no huge benefit over about 10 depending on the exposure. So if you're sitting in the snow, you don't want to be sitting in the snow for too long no. for obvious reasons. Three minutes is ideal in something like snow and ice baths. Yeah. I think the research shows that over three minutes you don't get added benefits from yeah. being in an ice bath more than three minutes. All right. Um, that's just a will that's just whether you want to see what your mind does. Like my mum sat, it's so funny, my mum who didn't want to do Wim Hof and was complaining about it. And then she, I get a text from my dad saying, your mum spent 15 minutes in an ice bath because she's so competitive. It was yeah. just something she had to do. But So I was saying Gabe yesterday, being out there for 10 minutes, porpoising around in the era, wasn't yeah. actually getting any physiological gain. He was just carrying on. Yeah, but a good for Probably mind, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, like he can say, I can stay in he's there. Adapt- he's psychological adaptability. Adaptability, yes. Yeah. From a physiological point of view, in something like an ice bath, and I'm talking ice now, so I'm talking about one to two degrees. Yeah. Um, it's three minutes. Yeah. Um, then when you're sitting in the range that maybe we were, so sort of around the what? Six to ten. Six, six to ten, five to ten minutes. Yeah. You're not going to lose a limb of anything like yeah. that. We came out bright red, but that was the worst of yeah. it, really. Um, and I think the psychological adaptability that goes with that is actually good. Yeah. You know, I, I find there's a, such a huge benefit in that. So if you're doing cold water therapy, like even a cold shower, mm-hmm. you can start off with a nice hot shower and then end, you know. I do a minute cold shower at the end of my shower every day. Yeah. So an easy thing you yeah, do. Yeah, especially if you have a full steaming hot shower and you yeah. get those, that vasodilation Yes, going, exactly. Right? And then to whack it into cold and get yeah. that constriction happening straight after. Exactly. So beneficial. Mm. Um, and yeah, and of course, because you've gone from hot to cold, your body will, you will feel it like it being more cold, even though it's, you know, in winter it'll come out of the tap at about between 8 and 12, depending where you are in Melbourne. In summer, it doesn't really get below 14, and so yeah. it's probably not a huge thing. You need to start getting some ice baths. And yeah, I know. On those 40-degree days and you're in the cold jam, it's not really it's feeling not that really cold. It's not really very cold, yeah. no. Um, you can head down to... Um, cryotherapy. Cryotherapy. So Alchemy Cryo have what they call an electric cryotherapy. They're better than the nitrogens. Yeah. There's actually some really cool um, research that they showed on the difference between something like a... Um, nitrogen one and versus a whole electric one and the whole electric one actually caused the whole of the body down their um electric one goes to minus 120 degrees wow yeah that's cold i used to do that every week and i love it the guys down there are amazing um say hi to jules and natalia um but they're awesome they'll look after you there you can do the liquid ones but you're sitting there from neck down and it doesn't seem to drop the core temperature like Mm -hmm. an electric one would so um, you can definitely do that. What does that. a session cost usually there? Uh, Seventy bucks. You can yeah. buy a big pass, and it gets it gets cheaper. Yeah. Um, and I think they would recommend a minimum of sort of three. Yeah. Close. Um, I did heaps of them there, and then I, you know, because it's minus one twenty, I used to do it sort of once twice a week, but now I do my ice baths and swim yeah. the hour and do those crazy things instead. Yeah. So. And look, that's it's actually a very easy to implement thing everyone showers and it's so free. you can easily just have a cold shower yeah going for a swim in like um, the bay or yeah, it, it doesn't it, cost you anything exactly you can just get in there and it doesn't take a lot of time either no. like so three minutes it can be yeah. cost and time effective yeah uh, simple to implement and have significant health benefits. Massive so health benefits. It's and a, yeah. a great thing. It so is and mm. of course if you do it with a group of people it's a lot of fun as well. Cool. So if you have any questions uh, on cryotherapy make sure you Email us or uh, comment below if you're following us on Instagram uh, below the post and we can answer those or you can come in and um, chat to us in in the practice. Um, But otherwise...
Thanks very much, V. Yeah, thank you. That was only again. You, if you see a bunch of crazy people in the Yarra River, you don't need to call the police. It's probably us. Yeah, it probably <laughs> is. Yeah, I'll probably, I know. We're going to make it regular. Or out in the bay. Out in the bay. Yeah, yeah. that'll be me out there. That one. That one guy who sat out there in the middle of the water yeah. on his own. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not a homeless man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Superwell podcast. For more information on any of our episodes, head over to www.superwell.com.au and you can get all the episodes there. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can also find links to iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you want to continue the conversation on with us, then head over to our Instagram page at LiveSuperWell and follow us there and comment under each episode. Uh, If you want to give us any feedback, you can also get in touch via email on the webpage too. So until next episode, live super well.